You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, Songs of Sorrow. Since I don't get out very much, one of the last music concerts I attended was David Bowie's Glass Spider Tour. This was in 1987. At the beginning of the show, Bowie was lowered on wires out of a hatch on the underside of what was meant to be the head of a glass spider. But instead, it looked more like a Nissan station wagon made of plexiglass. Bowie landed on the stage to thunderous applause, wearing a glittery gold waistcoat, gold cowboy boots, and his hair all done up in a feathered mullet. Again, this was the 80s and I myself was wearing a ponytail on top of my head, and I had on tapered white Levi's. I had spilt half a bottle of Southern Comfort onto my lap earlier in the evening, and so I spent the rest of the night feeling sticky and uncomfortable. But that was okay, because I was seeing David Bowie. I loved him so much that I had decorated every square inch of my teenage bedroom with pictures of him. And to this day, every time my father sees Bowie on television... He calls me up excitedly to tell me how he just saw my pal. As much as as I adored the entire David Bowie arsenal, my favorite songs were the sad ones. Songs like Rock and Roll Suicide and Space Oddity. Songs about feeling alienated, adrift, and misunderstood. In other words, songs about being 16. The sad songs were the ones that touched me the deepest and made me feel the most understood, made me feel like Bowie had looked into the chambers of my teenage heart and had extracted the sadness that was beating in there and gave it a melody. For a quiet, self-conscious kid like me, it freed my heart to feel things that my brain was too embarrassed to openly admit. There was something about listening to Bowie's sad songs that made the sadness inside me feel like it had a companion. Listening to sad music when you're sad can sometimes make you feel like you've got a really good friend's arm around your shoulder. Whether it's Frank Sinatra's In the Wee Small Hours. In the wee small hours of the morning. Or if it's Hank Williams singing about how lonesome he is that he could cry. I'm so lonesome I could cry. Or even if it's a man in parachute pants and a mullet wailing away on a jumbotron for 30,000 worshipping adolescents. It can make you feel like someone's given the vague, wordless sadness inside you a voice. So that night, in the Olympic Stadium, as I heard the opening, echoing chords to Life on Mars, maybe one of the saddest and most beautiful of Bowie's song list, I felt like this was why I had come, to be comforted. This was why I had my mother iron my baby blue root sweatshirt and why I had safety pinned the calves of my jeans until they were skin tight and why I had ponytailed my hair so that I looked like an emaciated, pimply-faced samurai warrior. This was why. And as I stood among the hordes of teenagers, all of us indulging our own inexplicable and private melancholy in a cool, dark, concrete toilet bowl of a stadium... I felt like my sadness was somehow okay, that it was shared, and I wasn't alone. It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mouth of hair And the mommy is yelling now 
Dan, what is it about sad songs that is capable of making us sad? Well, that's a good question. And at McGill, where we try to study people's perception of emotion, we've gone through thousands of songs to find some examples that reliably could be identified as sad or could evoke sadness in the greatest number of listeners. Mm-hmm. And the reason, the reason is that this music is exploiting a kind of vocabulary and system of rules that's more commonly associated in our culture with something that's sad. So um, what are some of the building blocks of, of a sad song? Well, it tends to be slower mm-hmm. in tempo. It tends to use smaller steps in the scale, close together and descending. Mm-hmm. Dee da, dee da. And it tends to use um, minor chords and low pitches. So you, you've brought along with you some, some examples of some sad music. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's give that a listen. All right. Slow tempo, legato, the notes are, all the notes run into one another. Low pitch range. It may be that there's a metaphor here. A person who's sad or depressed moves more slowly. They feel heavier, their body feels heavier. And here the music feels like it's being dragged down towards, you know, some gravitational center. And, and that piece has a, it's a lot, there's a lot of strings. Um, are there certain instruments that are, you know, sadder instruments than other kinds of instruments? Perhaps. It, it interacts also with the range of the instrument and the way that it's being played. Listen to this happy song, for example, where the instrumentation's different. Okay. Still some strings. Faster notes, higher pitch range. That staccato kind of separation between the notes feels perhaps more like dancing or bouncing, and again as a metaphor for happiness, at least in our culture. Uh, Let's listen to another sad song. Sure. That chord will move on the piano as a little bit. Sad. You've got the low strings and there's long bow strokes and such. Chuck, as a music critic, someone who makes his living thinking about music a lot, have, have, you, have you given much thought about why it is that certain sounds and certain songs have the power to actually make us sad? I feel like... This idea that there's certain sounds that can make you sad or certain sounds that can make you happy or whatever, I think that's kind of a construction. It's really just the listener and the experiences the listener has has had and sort of the way the the listener self-identifies him or herself that ends up being the connecting fluid between what sounds good or what sounds bad to somebody. There's nothing in the music itself. I feel like the songs that make me sad organically have more to do with the fact that I associate that song with something that happened in my life. Are there are there are there specific songs that come to mind? Actual like sad songs for you, songs that you find sad. I had a, a strange situation happen when I was a senior in high school. Um, when I was a senior in high school. 
I got an ATM card, mm-hmm. and uh, this is when ATM cards were new. I mean, at, at least they were in North Dakota. It's like 89 or whatever. This summer before uh, my senior year, and I start using it, and all of a sudden, instead of one day, instead of there being like 180 bucks in my account, it's like $56,000 in it. And I think it's just a mistake, and I go into the bank, and I say, like, there's $56,000 in my account, and they're like, oh, it's just a mistake. Don't worry about it. The decimal point's probably wrong. You probably have $56 or whatever. So I came back again. Like, two weeks later, I used my card again, and now there's, like, 60 thousand dollars in it. And I go, and I tell the bank again that this is totally wrong. There's too much money in my account. There's thousands and thousands of dollars more than I should have. I should have like $100 or something in there. And they were like, don't worry about it. It's just the machine. The machine is new. This is new technology. Don't worry about it. Well, I come back again like several weeks later. I use my card, and there's still like you know $60,000 in this account. So I just decide I'm going to withdraw money from it. So I just start withdrawing money from this, and the main thing I'm buying with this is I'm buying every Kiss album on cassette. And there's like 20-some Kiss uh, records at the time, and I decided that I want them all, you know, and I'm buying these, you know, and I'm buying, so, and also I'm also like I bought basketball shoes and stuff like that, and then I, I, uh, I, I, I think I bought a CD player, which was really new at the time, you know, and I was, I was, and I would take my friends out to eat, and I was, I felt guilty about this, but I just, not, there just seemed to be no, uh, no consequence. I mean, like, I just didn't, and I was, I was, as bad as I felt, I was like, well, I, somehow I was, I was trying to reconcile how I, in my mind I knew I was stealing, but like, you know, uh, I wanted to somehow convince myself that this was okay. So I was, so I was listening to these Kiss cassettes I was buying, um, which seemed to almost be directing me to keep on doing it. <laughs> because all the Kiss songs were very much uh, really kind of supportive of, of capitalist ventures and sort of, like, there was, there uh, on, on the Kiss album Animalize, there's, like, there's these lyrics, like, you know, like, burn your bridges, take what you can get, go for the throat because you pay your debts, living well is the best defense, you know, give them hell, you know. Like, there had all these songs like this that, that seemed to really, to justify, basically, that there was no fixed morality or whatever. Well, this goes on for a lot of the school year. I don't know how much money I actually took. I'm not really sure. But at one point, I, I used the fast bank card, and it said like, you know, card doesn't the card doesn't work. You know, and I put it in again, and it still says the card doesn't work. So stupidly, I walk into the bank to complain about this, and my card's not working. And uh, they tell me that like I owe over like two thousand dollars or whatever, you know, which and I obviously don't have this money. Well, by chance, um, uh, my dad had a stroke when I was nine years old, so I was getting, like, a, like, essentially money from the government, like Social Security money to, like, help pay for things, you know, and it was kind of going into this account that would eventually, in theory, help me pay for college. And so this money that was, like, going into a trust fund that I couldn't get till I was 18 the bank person overrode that and took the money out of my account to pay back this $2,000. Hmm. I had probably had maybe $4,000 in that account or $5,000 in that trust fund, 
and then 2,000 of it was gone. So, you know, uh, I drove home, and I, I listened to those Kiss cassette sets, and uh, it was incredibly depressing. I just kind of drove around the country and cried about this, how I just kept throwing away $2,000. So in some ways, I do associate that situation with listening to Kiss records. And had you gone to court, you would have you would have used what would later be termed termed the kiss defense. I the suppose, kiss was telling yeah. you to do it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I'm not really blaming Kiss for this, but I just I do you know I do think of that. Um, so now I very much associate that music with making me sad, even though that's a band I would classify as liking. If never I met you, I'd never have seen you cry. Hello. Hey, John. Hey, Howard. Not a good time right now. Uh, I'm trying to prepare a show this week on why music makes us sad. And, and I, I, quick, just a quick question. If milk stays for a long time in the fridge and it, and it becomes like thick, that's yogurt, right? Howard, I've, I've really got a situation here. I'm supposed to interview this French authority on, on classical music, and the translator just bailed on me like 15 minutes ago, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I've been trying to book this guy for months. What's the problem? And you speak French. You were, you were in, like, advanced French. I was in business French. I, that was a long time ago, Howard. That was in high school. I, my French really has gone downhill since then. I, I speak French. I can do it. My French is passable. <laughs> I appreciate that, Howard, but I actually I need a, you know, a professional-trained... Wait, interpreter. Do you have, basically have a professional right now? I, I, mean, I mean, how did you go from speaking passable French to calling yourself a professional translator? Well, Madame Lefebvre, the, the business French teacher, thought my French was excellent, and she's a business French teacher. She used to go, "Je ne sais pas tellement bien." Remember? No, I don't remember. I wasn't in your class. You're a fat young man, but you speak very well in French. Right, but that was like 25 years ago. You know? Yeah, okay, it was a long time ago, but I speak French passably. That is true, but I mean... No, but I, you're... monsieur, come on, ça va, excuse me, sir, how are you, sir, how are you? All right. Yes, sir, all right. Okay, okay, I, I, I get ça it. Ça Howard, je okay. Enough. Ça suffit, Howard. 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 Okay. Okay. Good, ça good, all right. All right, Howard. ça suffit, là. What, you? You see? Mm-hmm. Look, John, there's no way with such short notice that you're going to find anybody, college-educated or otherwise. You got a friend here tried and true who's good with the French romantic language, I'm charming, I'm capable. Mm-hmm. You know, I can talk to anybody. You want me to speak to you, some guy who wrote a book on classical music? No problem. But what you're going to have to do, though, is like a real-time translation of everything that's being said between me and him. It's pretty good. I can say all kinds of things, John. John. Did you just call me a cucumber? You just listen to nuance there. In French, it's a real term of endearment. All right, you know what? Fine, come down to the studio and translate. But Howard, so help me God, please don't embarrass me, okay? How am I going to embarrass you? With my... You know how these things go. Oh, I see. This is this is like the whole business French thing. You know, what business French thing? So instead French of thing? like reading Camus and Zone and all these great things, I was learning how to buy apples and and to do weights and measurements. But no, Just, I mean no. Ser- Perish the thought, Mister Literary French. I won't embarrass you at all. Howard, I'm not going to embarrass you at all. Okay, why are you saying it like that? Saying what? Why, why did you just repeat how you're not going to embarrass me? Why did you say it like that? You don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. Now, you see, I, th- that is making me worry. There's nothing to worry Look, about. Why are you talking like that? Just nothing to worry you see, about. Again, don't... Think yet, Everything's going to be just fine. Howard, would you just get over here, please?
thanks for coming down, Hal. I, I, I appreciate your helping me out like this. Yeah, I'm the man for the job. Yeah. All right, so you'll sit there right beside me. Okay. And I'm going to conference him in over the telephone. Okay. And uh, what, what did you bring there? This is uh, my, my Larousse, my big dictionary, you know. She whiz. If I run into any so roadblocks. Quite, that's quite a book. Um, un, un gros livre. You understand what that means, Jonathan? Uh, that much I understand. It's mm-hmm. a big book, right? Let me, just, let me just warm up a little bit. Rire, 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 rire. I'm just getting my, my rolls down. I can even do like the, the tongue on the palate one there. Pourquoi, 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 pour moi, pour toi, pour moi, rire, can we just get Mr. Lebrun on the phone? Mr. Lebrun. Lebrun. Howard, I, I didn't palate. want a French lesson, okay? I just I, want you to do the translating. I just don't want you to, to humiliate yourself, and I, I still don't want to insult Mr. Lebrun. Understood. What are you going to do? You're going to start calling him Mr. Brown? I'm going to uh, I'm going to... Oh, Mr. Brown. Lebrun. I, listen, I bow to your superior mm. French abilities, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I thought you were willing to help. Mm. And I am. That's why I'm here. I'm happy to be here. I just find it so ironic. Here you are, you know, this guy from this highfalutin literary French class, and I, I, calling on me, you know, Mr. Business French, the butcher's son. Mm-hmm. Oh, my father can see me now. You know, I'm doing a great job here. I know it's hard for you, but this is a wonderful thing. You should really have more French in the show. But it's an English radio station. I know, but it's a bilingual country, and it's a beautiful language. And it, it certainly is. Maybe language on Canada, you know. And, well, we are, but, I mean, it's an English show. Hey, you know, even like when you're doing your monologues and stuff, I could come in and I can like we can do some kind of simulcast. What are you talking about? Like when, when people are deaf and they sign in the in the corner of a screen, but this will be on the and radio. Don't you think that would be kind of distracting? Well, man, let's just try. What do you have here, Howard? Let me, let me th- those you are here. just some papers I'm working yeah, on. Let's Howard, just try for fun. I'm not going to try. Just this... Help me warm up. Just help me warm up a little bit. Like here, you read I... the English part, and I'm going to simultaneously I'm going to chime in and I'm going to I'm going to translate into French. You can see it's, it'll be good. Go ahead, just, just give it a try. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, this is just a, a Bible story that I'm working on about mm. Jacob and Esau. The Bible. The Bible. Yeah. Okay. This is I don't know. This is out of it's out of order. This is page. Yeah. Three. Just choosing random. I think I remember a little. He said. Je pense que je souviens un peu. Il dit. There was light in there. Il y avait de lumière là-dedans. You remember, Rebecca said. Souviens. Howard, this is really ridiculous. Dis Rebecca. I mean, I know that you know you're talking French, but mm. you you don't have to sound like a pompous windbag. I'm just trying to reflect what's written. Excuse me? I mean, the stuff is kind of pompousy and windbaggy. You just, it's, it's just two sentences. It's funny because this is your mother tongue, and your, your French is poor, but at least for the writing, you'd think that maybe with your mother tongue that you'd have a better sensibility, just even the creative part of it, too. Just Can we just get him on the phone? Get who on the telephone? Monsieur? Rire, rire. Monsieur Le... Le Brun. 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 Better. Okay. Ish. Hello? Uh, Monsieur Lebrun? Oui, hello? He says hello, Jonathan. Thank you. Uh, hello, Mr. Lebrun. Bonjour, Monsieur, Le- Monsieur Lebrun. Oui, bonjour. It's very nice to have you on the show. I, I told you, John, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm I telling know. Mr. Lebrun. Oh, 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 yeah, right, right. Uh, Monsieur Lebrun, c'est vraiment un plaisir uh, de t'avoir à l'émission aujourd'hui. Ah, ben, ça me fait beaucoup plaisir, oui. It gives me a lot of pleasure, uh, yes. Je parle pas beaucoup uh, uh, l'anglais. I don't speak English very well. I, I, no, I understand, and I, I appreciate your doing this uh, in spite of, of the awkwardness of using, of using a translator. J'apprécie beaucoup tes efforts, même avec un traducteur, et c'est moi le traducteur, là. Je vous écoute. Okay, he's listening to you, John. Um, Mr. Lebrun, in, Lebrun, in Lebrun. The, your book, uh, uh, Du Classique au Rock'n'Roll, Les Racines 
de musique contemporaine. Uh, in, in the section where you compare the note progression from We Will Rock You with Flight of the Bumblebees, how, how did you ever see the connection between those two songs? Pour commencer, la question pas mal têteur, mais en, en tout cas... Ah, il n'y a pas de question têteuse. He says, there's no, there are no stupid questions, Jonathan. Why uh, would he say that? Comment est-ce que tu as trouvé des liens entre la pièce de musique Flight of the Bumblebee avec We Will Rock You, The Queen? Bon, alors, euh, vous savez, euh, toutes les musiques sont euh, connectées euh, mm. ensemble ouais. euh, par différents ouais. systèmes, différents ouais. modes. Ouais, ouais, ouais. Puis, là, vrai, euh, vrai, et puis... Euh, Howard, I can't hear anything he's saying. Well, listen. Voilà. Basically, uh, Monsieur Lebrun says, uh, you know, that you know, there's a connection between all music, and uh, if you looked clearly, you'd see that there were diagrams that kind of charted the progression, progression of music, if you had read the book. What's another question you have for him? But, but, but specific to Flight of the Bumblebees, you see it as sort of the er guitar solo. Ben, uh, c'est une autre question au sujet de Flight of the Bumblebee. Uh, ça a l'air, c'est vraiment une obsession avec lui. C'est une obsession. Il y a vraiment des problèmes mentaux. Je, je m'excuse. Why did you say obsession? Pourquoi vous parlez d'obsession? Il ne s'agit pas d'obsession ici. What, what, non, what, non, what, non, pas toi, M. Lebrun. C'est M. You... Goldstein. Uh, OK. Uh, uh, could you tell him that we're going to just put him on hold for one moment? OK, M. Lebrun, uh, on va juste te mettre sur hold pour, pour, pour un instant. Oh, d'accord. OK, ce ne serait pas long. What is wrong with you? What, what, what's wrong what are you doing? I'm translating your I'm questions. I'm asking, no, I don't know what you're saying, but you're obviously making him uncomfortable. No, he just doesn't understand why you're so obsessed I, with Flight of the Bumblebee. And I was just trying to say... Trying could to you get, just interpret fine, fine. the things that I'm telling you, yes, okay? Yes, boss. Yes, boss. Okay, all right, let's get him back on the... Uh, Monsieur Lebrun? Monsieur Lebrun? Oui? Je lui essaie de demander de, de te demander une autre question, là, okay? Okay. Can you please well, ask well, Mr. Lebrun that he's getting very frustrated if you can just ask another he, question? All, all he just said was okay. I know, but in French I can hear his tone. Is... Just okay, chef for the question. Pendant que tu es en train de chercher. Tu sais, Mozart et aussi des, des gens qui font la musique classique. Il y avait, avait des cheveux longs, puis des rock and roll et des cheveux longs. Y a-t-il une connexion entre tout what, ça? What are you uh, asking him? Non, pas vraiment, non. You know, like uh, Mozart and those guys had long hair and rock and rollers have long hair. Is there a connection between that? Don't ask him stupid questions like that. You don't even have a question to ask him, Mr. Lebrun. Well, I'm, you got me all flustered. Um, Mr. LeBrun, in Chapter 2, you talk about how certain instruments have enjoyed uh, incredible uh, longevity, how the stand-up bass, for instance, has been around for 400 years. Can you discuss why that is the case with an instrument like that as opposed to other instruments which have become obsolete? Parlez-nous de la contrebasse. Eh bien, euh, What, that, bonjour, that's not my question. Euh, pour la, la, la contrebasse, c'est un instrument qui, euh, qui existe depuis euh, 400 ans. It's an instrument that's been around for at least 400 years. Dans le jazz, par exemple, la, la contrebasse a remplacé le. le euh, Monsieur Lebrun, je peux te mettre sur hold encore juste pour un instant. Oui, d'accord. Très gentil, merci. Une instant, c'est What are you putting them on hold for? I just want to say it's really distracting because I'm I'm looking at you, I'm watching you listen to this, yeah. this man speak. He's fascinating, mm -hmm. and you just have this look on your face like you're just totally clueless. Like you don't understand a word he's saying, do you? No, I, I, that's what you're here but for. I just find it amazing. Like you're completely at sea. It's just you just look like blah, like just like slouch, like oh. Okay, all right. Can you just get him back on the phone, please? Anyway, all right. Let's just, let's get back to that. Oui, Monsieur Lebrun. Désolé. Oui. How do you feel about 
punk music coming from uh, such a classically trained ben, encore, pers- uh, question assez stupide de mon papa uh, ici. Excusez-moi. Uh, I understand the word stupide. I apologize for my translator. Franchement, Howard, you know. Écoutez, là, je pense que je vais arrêter ça. Okay. Là, là. Je m'excuse, Monsieur Lebrun. Il est sous là. Il, il boit beaucoup lui. Puis, euh... Are you telling him I'm drunk? Non, non. Je ne fais pas d'entrevue avec des gens sous là. Non, non, non. A good job as a translator. That's not what I said. Well, well, translation is really open to to interpretation. M- M- Mr. Lebrun. No, today, là, je vais raccrocher là. Votre mise en scène incompétente là, ça a plus d'allure là. Puis je vais me souvenir de votre nom, monsieur. And next time, get a competent translator. Oh, oh you speak English very well, uh, uh, Mr. Lebrun. I don't Le give Le a. <laughs> okay, John. I know you're upset. I, I know that. That was messed up a bit. There. Yeah, that was a bit messed yeah, up, eh? That, that, that was a little messed up. Really, though, I don't know what his problem was. He really what his problem was, eh? He, he just flew off the handle there. He just flew off the handle, just like that. Some of the stuff he said wasn't that nice there to, about you, and I felt like I had to get defensive, and I'm just going to spare you the translation. I don't think you even need to hear that. I don't it was need very to hear upsetting that, eh? for, for both Well, of I appreciate your protecting me Absolutely. in that way. I, Do you know I'm what? I'm look out for you in this case. That's why I took the job. I, you know and, what? I'm, I'm going to take the tape, and I'm going to bring it to an actual translator to find out exactly what you were saying. For my, I, for my I, own, I out you. of my own interest. I can tell no, you. No, I know you can. But what I'm going to do is the original translator who couldn't, who couldn't make it here today, yeah. I'm going to give it to this professional no. translator no, because, to you know, check out. Yeah, I, you know, I am. You know, I am. Don't no, I'm just I'm it's curious. Necessary. Cause I, you know, I, no, I'm, I'm quite a capable translator. Oh, I, I, I know. Just tell I know you, you are. Just pass me no, the you've done enough already. No, no, no. I'm taking it out of the machine uh, I now. I don't want you to do that. What do you, no, no. no get, just, don't just touch. Let me all translate it. Don't, don't touch the tape. Why, don't why, why, why are you trying to take it? Because I'm... You've done enough. I'm taking this tape. I'm bringing it to a professional translator. Just give it to me. We're going to find out what... What is the word stupid? Maybe you can look it up in your dictionary. Let me use your dictionary to see what stupid means. Give it to me. On Wiretap Today, you heard Daniel Levitin, author of the best-selling book, This Is Your Brain on Music, and Chuck Klosterman, whose novel, Downtown Owl, will be coming out this September. You also heard André Asselin and Howard Chakowitz, whose new book of comics and cartoons can be purchased at conundrumpress.com. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein, with Mira Bertwintonic and Carolyn Warren. Production assistance from Crystal Duhame. Reach us through our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap.